Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Death Nerve, a horror movie podcast. It's been a little while since I've put an episode up, uh, but I've got some great guests lined up, so some episodes will be coming out a bit more frequently, which is good. This is another episode that I recorded over Skype during lockdown, and in this one I talk to comedian Chris Forburn about Wes Craven's 1984 slasher classic, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Chris is a brilliant comedian and a big film fan. I saw his show Cineman in 2018 at the Edinburgh Festival. It's a really good, really good show, like comedy show about films. Um, and if you get a chance to check any of Chris's stuff out online, and hopefully when gigs are going back and stuff, go and see him live. He's an amazing comedian, really nice guy. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. As I've said, I've got some really good guests coming up, so keep your eyes peeled for that. And yeah, thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the episode. Cheers. Also, but the first question I always ask is: Are you a horror fan? Are you a fan of horror films? Uh, yeah, I, I, I would I would say I'm, I'm a big horror fan. Uh, but uh, d- doing this, um, you know, kind of feels like a bit of a fraud. Like I'm a big horror fan, but uh, my wife is a massive horror fan. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I, like, I guess go swap over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, are you sure you don't want to do this? <laughs> I um, like, I you know, I'm. I'm a huge fan of like films in general. I like horror definitely like factors into that. But um yeah, she, like living with her like um she's got it's wonderful. She's got a capacity to she will just give everything a chance. Like uh you know like the horror channel, she will just have that on constantly and whatever is on, she will give it the time of day and it's kind of wonderful like <laughs> you know like uh, uh, but yeah, so like um, in our house, there's a lot of horror. Awesome. Um, lot, yeah. What was like the first? What was your first sort of like experience of horror? What was like the first horror film you saw? You remember seeing as a kid or something? Oh, uh, I well, I remember like uh, like really young. Um, I, 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 now this could be like I, I think. Uh, do you remember, I think it was 1998 when, like, you know, The Exorcist had been, like, you know, sort of taken off of, the like, the UK market for, like, years, and then it was, like, I think it was 19. Yeah, it was around then, yeah, yeah. Something like- yeah, and it was, like, it was coming back, and it was kind of everywhere, and I was, like, eight years old, and I remember I somehow caught a bit of it on the telly, and... And 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 seen Reagan's face and it fucking petrified <laughs> me and like and, yeah. and to the point where like that was always you know it, it almost like it kind of put me off for years and like you know it was just like oh that is, it's the scariest film ever made and uh, and now and now I love it it's yeah, one yeah. of my absolute favorites but um I, I yeah well, I remember the when they released it because they released it like as a as a sort of director's sort of cut didn't they at the time I remember. I remember that being a big thing. I was about 14, 15. I remember watching like a pirated video of it. I'd had the day off school and there was like a, a pirated video of it going around that we had. And I, uh, yeah, it was too scary for me even like, at yeah. 14. It just got, couldn't hack it. <laughs> yeah. But what's so funny about like the fact that The Exorcist kind of got that reputation, and I think it's because it was banned for years and it built this reputation as like the scariest film ever made, was like it like then you know like 
sort of like kids and like early teens, you know, like at sleepovers, they would get copies of it and they'd watch it. And the thing is, you watch The Exorcist, it's a very dry film. Yeah, yeah. it's not like a... That first... Like sit around, get the popcorn out with your friends. It's not like a slasher movie, is it? It's quite a dark, heavy-going film, yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of like scenes in like offices and stuff <laughs> yeah. in that whole beginning stretch yeah. where he's in the desert yeah. and it's like children watching that just like this is scary and then it gets scary yeah. but like, yeah. yeah definitely yeah it's not like a laugh a minute is it <laughs> the exorcist yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and was that like you said you said you were a bit uh like couldn't hack it at first but did you get more into horror as you got older and more into like your teenage years and stuff uh, definitely. Like uh, I, I remember what a big thing was. Was um, there was when I was maybe about like thirteen. There was uh, an issue of like Kerrang magazine. Oh yeah. That was, and it was an article that they had done that was like something like the one hundred most extreme movies ever <laughs> made. And I don't know why Kerrang were doing it. They were a music magazine. They had no business doing it. But it just handed you like this kind of collection of these cool kind of underground forbidden films that then you needed to check out and there was like a lot of the like horror like uh, some of the horror classics in there but then some stuff like like Ishii the Killer and like you know like it, it got you like you know you then wanted to check out a, a bunch of like you know old like video nasties and stuff like I remember, you know track it down stuff like I Spit on Your Grave <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. just, and Cannibal Holocaust yeah, yeah. and stuff like that um and so yeah like by that point yeah let's start to get into you know horror and then yeah just um a lot like um you know like catching like the stuff that they would play like late at night on like channel four or film four and, like, yeah i really miss the sort of um just yeah, being just a random weird film on in the middle of the night on channel four it doesn't happen anymore i really miss that yeah i remember like um it was maybe uh like earlier this year you know when you get like those random kind of hungover days where you're just like i'm just going to go down a youtube rabbit hole and like you know just like watch and somebody had uploaded all of mark kermode's like intros to films oh, yeah. like uh but, but like the extreme cinema stuff including like he he kind of spoils the ending of the ring like before the oh, ring was yeah. this big kind of cultural phenomenon yeah. <laughs> like he tells you what the final scene is oh <laughs> yeah and that film just builds up to that final scene as well you know it's not like that's, that's what that film is about that build to that last bit you know and then yeah well <laughs> uh. <laughs> awesome yeah well you wanted uh. you I told you to pick a film and you went with uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street why, why A Nightmare on Elm Street why that film in particular uh, well, I kind of saw an opportunity here because, like, I, I, you know, I've been on like, a small handful of other sort of like horror podcasts, and they're always like a hundred or so episodes into it, <laughs> and like, so you know, you have to wind up choosing something kind of obscure, left field. And uh, this like, oh, I have an opportunity. I can choose one of the big guys, and <laughs> um, I like Freddy's my guy. Like, I think of the big. The big long franchises like Nightmare on Elm Street's the one I kind of like locked into. I think it's the one that you know, like, I, I yeah, I'd, I'd say it's the one I keep returning to um, over like you know things like Halloween or Friday the Thirteenth. Um, like I think yeah, just as a series, it's so fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> um, when, when did you first see it? What were your like, first memories of Nightmare on Elm Street? 
Uh, so in terms of like the first film, uh, I I sure would have been read about that period when I was about like fourteen, fifteen, and like, uh, you're just kind of tracking down. You know, you're trying to tick off the classics. You know, check everything. You're discovering everything for the first time, but then. You know, I'd seen like the first one, but then it wasn't until like I went to uni that um, uh, a friend of mine, like you know, she had like you know the full box set, and I'd never seen any of the sequels, and we just like rattled through them, and um, and then realized that it's this very strange, weird, like you know, collection of films, like um, that really then like started to fall in love with it, like yeah, yeah, there is something that the sequels are so. Yeah, they definitely go off in a weird, a weird direction, don't they? The um, by the time you get to Freddy's Dead, I think in particular that one is uh, really weird. <laughs> oh, definitely. Like, um, like Fred- Freddy's Dead is um, like uh, I remember like, last episode you you discussed Gremlins two a bit, and Freddy's Dead is kind of the Gremlins two of the Nightmare <laughs> series. Yeah, it's like, we don't fucking care anymore. Just uh, who gives a shit? Like that's just and. <laughs> I, and, and I love that, like, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare is part of that horror tradition in that if you have any sense of finality in the title, it will not be a Like, Friday the, thir- the 13th, the final chapter, or, or, or like... Yeah. yeah, there's, like, seven films after it, after the final chapter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you say it's the last one, it will never be the last one. No. They made a saw well, after the last one. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. yeah, I know, like, they're doing two new Halloween films and the last one is called Halloween Ends isn't it and I, mentioned yeah. that, I mentioned that to my girlfriend and she just said will it end though will it yeah. <laughs> uh, oh it's nice they actually called it something instead of just like oh, we're making a sequel to 2018's Halloween it's called Halloween yeah. you know we're just gonna <laughs> to really confuse it yeah there's uh, yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah not not on Elm Street um why do you think it went off in such a weird like? Why do you think it became such a popular thing with so many sequels? And why do you think the sequels are so sort of quite quite different in tone? That first one's definitely more of a full on horror film where they went a bit more silly, cartoony almost. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I think what it is is I think it, it, it's by the time that you get to the third one that it really clicks into place in terms of oh, this is what we want the franchise to be going forward, and it occupies that same kind of mode that like the, the the final destination films or the saw films kind of wound up taking where it's just like like the sequels just wound up being right we just want to do some creative deaths and the plot is just an excuse to string these along till we get like and i and i think like as soon as it started doing that like yeah, you could have kept making these for years <laughs> on end, you know, like where it's just like, like, like in the first one, it is very much like sort of just dream logic-y kind of stuff, and uh, the second one is it's a whole other thing, which is like, <laughs> almost like a sort of possession movie. But then by the time you got to the third one, it was like, right, Freddy, it, F- Freddy is going to find out what you're into. He's going to make a bespoke death <laughs> yeah. tailored to your tastes. <laughs> and so, like, you, you, do you like bikes? All right, you're getting a bike <laughs> death. You're, you know, like, you like, yeah, things like that. And yeah, I, I, I think that's like what that's how they kept making them really. yeah I, I, re- I really enjoy the sort of like even the sort of like I think four and five are like the, the weakest of the 
Well, and Freddy's Dead, I think, but like the weakest. But some of the death scenes in yeah. it, like the dream sequences, are amazing. I always think of the one where um, the character she like it's set up at the beginning that she's scared of insects, and oh, then but there's that horrible scene where she's sort of like turning into some sort of like locust sort of thing. There's like things sprouting out of her. It's just horrible, but yeah, it's it's insane. Yeah, like that's what uh, that's number four, the, mm. the the dream master, and like I it starts off she's like. Because she's also dead into exercise, and she's like, you know, doing barbells, and then her arms kind of oh, yeah, yeah. rip off, and then she, and then yeah, she gets like the insect arms, and then she's slowly turning into a cockroach, and then it zooms out, and she's in like a roach motel, like, <laughs> yeah. like one of those things to catch roaches, <laughs> and it's like that's the, like. Not none of the films are anywhere near as like genuinely like kind of scary as the first one, but the, the sequels have all that money to do these big elaborate like you know like death scenes with like weird sets. Yeah, I think that's stuff. what it's always had over like your Halloweens and your um, Friday the Thirteenth is that it can be so creative with like the death sequences because it's in a dream you like can literally do whatever they want with it aye in terms of as, as well like w- once you saw those other series kind of paint themselves into corners like then you got like stuff like Jason and Michael Myers they started to add stuff to make yeah. them kind of supernatural and like feels feels off whereas like Freddy was always kind of supernatural so it never feels strange he, he just kind of got a little more like camp a bit, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. They sort of like you said. They added the weird. There's the weird Halloween sequels where they sort of it was like a weird cult thing, and they sort of added like a bit of that in there. And then, well, my well, my favourite Friday the Thirteenth film is um, Jason Lives, the one where it sort of t- t- the first one that turns him into like a zombie, almost like a sort of an undead sort of like supernatural <laughs> thing. I love that film. Yeah, yeah. I I remember like last year we were like powering through like um. I'd say all of the Friday the 13th, it's, uh, like, we got, like, one to eight, uh, like, before then, like, yeah, so everything up to, like, Jason Takes Manhattan, but I, like, you reach that point, like, yeah, so, the yeah, it's the previous film, J- it, Jason hadn't been in it, and it was an imposter, now Jason's been brought back to life, uh, like, lightning's been struck through him, uh, and then you're just like, oh, okay, so, canonically, going forward, in all the sequels, Jason is a rotting corpse <laughs> yeah. that's somehow still yeah. like more powerful than anybody else there. Like, yeah. it's, it's always like going from the first, like the, the first Friday the Thirteenth, where Jason's like a little kid in the lake at the end, to like the second one where he's like a seven foot tall, like <laughs> muscle bound killer. It's like in a few years, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after surviving being underwater for God <laughs> yeah, yeah, knows yeah. how long, you know, <laughs> he's been drowned yeah, yeah. countless times, like buried alive. <laughs> and like, yeah. yeah, well, there's the the, the uh, again another one we could talk about would be uh, the Freddy versus Jason. Did you when you watched through all of the Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm did you watch Freddy versus Jason? Do you include that in the series? Yeah, yeah, we did. Like, um, yeah. Um, like, because, uh, yeah, like, th- that's the two of them kind of, like, tying together, and, like, it's, uh, th- that's, you-, you could tell that's always what they've been, like, leading up to, because, like, I, after I- after Jason Takes Manhattan, like, you know, then, what was it, the rights went to New Line Cinema, and, like, and that's when, like, Jason started to get really kind of 
supernatural where it's like yeah like Jason goes to hell yeah well the end of Jason goes to hell the Freddy glove comes up doesn't it and takes the mask down to hell yeah uh, wait, sorry, Jason goes to hell the final Friday. <laughs> the second <laughs> final, the second final. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah, like, so as uh, once he went to New Line, they got really weird with it. We were just like, right, he's in hell, now he's in space. <laughs> now, all right, finally we're doing Freddy vs. Jason. And, um, yeah, it, it's wonderful because, like, like, by that point, the two of them are kind of, they're kind of displaced from time because, like, you know, like, both Freddy and Jason are very kind of 80s characters. Yeah. But this was, like, turn of the millennium. It's a very new metal film, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it el- opens with, like, an El Nino song, doesn't it, or something? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah. Dates it instantly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, some- yeah, somehow, like, something from, like, round about, like, the year 2000 feels way more dated than any of, like, yeah, the yeah. classic, like, Friday the 13th. Films. Yeah, definitely, so, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah no, I, th- I think it is sort of, like, it's... Because again, you watch like the old um, sort of slasher movies, the Friday the Thirteenth and stuff. The music in it is all very, it's all contemporary music, and it's all stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But then I guess they did the same thing with, uh, they tried to do the same thing with Freddy vs Jason, have all the sort of new metal bands and stuff, and uh, all that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I feel it is. I quite like Freddy vs Jason. I think it's uh, a little um, so silly. Oh yeah. Like most films, most films are silly. That's the fun. <laughs> yeah, like that. By that point, as as you say, like you know, you'd had like Jason X the year before. Like they were like, oh, okay, the like these these aren't scary anymore. We're just having fun with this. We're just like being silly. Like and and yeah, like there is something so fun about that. Yeah, they never they never did Freddy in space. That's how I would definitely watch that if they did. If they'd done, they'd done Jason in space, Leprechaun in space, Hellraiser in space. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but I would, I would, I would love to have seen a uh, a Freddy in space. <laughs> they don't do that anymore with any of the more contemporary. No, stuff. not getting like Babadook in space. <laughs> <laughs> Insidious in space. <laughs> Out of all the sequels, the Friday, the, uh, sorry, Nightmare on Elm Street sequels. What are your, what's your favourites? Um. And definitely, uh, I, I think probably number number three is like the top one there, like Dream Warriors. Yeah, uh, I think it it it's just the point where like the suit it clicks into place. They figure like, oh, this is what we're gonna do going forward. Um, yeah, I yeah the the ones I've probably watched the most are the first three, like you know, like, like the first one because yeah, and then probably New Nightmare as well. Um, because New Nightmare is, you know, you got this wonderful set of, like, you know, three films that, like, Wes Craven was actually involved in with, like, one, three, and then New Nightmare. Um, and New Nightmare is so creative and, like, like so nerdy, and, like, I, I love that. Um, and then, like, I watch two a lot because, like, two <laughs> yeah. fascinating, like, as, like... Like like Trojan horsing all these like queer issues into like a horror film. Like, Not very subtly either, really. Like no. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the thing. I remember the first time watching the segment. Like you know, I, I, to begin with, you know, you're kind of oh, this is uh, this is a little uh, oh, unintentionally like kind of, and then as it progresses, you're like. No wait, <laughs> like they're really making a film about this. Yeah. It's great. It's great. I, I think the the second one, I think that just adds that other layer to it and makes it really watchable. Like it's not the best film, but like having that sort of the sort of like you said, putting in the sort of queer issues and stuff, is make it just 
a layer of interest that would never like that film would just sort of almost be forgotten now. I think if it wasn't for that and the other Dark Knight Elm films. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing is, in terms of in terms of being of any kind of like representation, it is deeply, deeply flawed. <laughs> but you know, this this was at a time when you know people were kind of so starved of any kind of mm. real media that they were like, we'll take it. <laughs> I we'll think especially in like and horror and films and stuff, you know what I mean? They're, most, they're not the most like woke films, are they really horror films? Especially those sort of slasher stuff, you know? They're not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So just, I think in terms of, oh, th- this film is even just trying yeah. to kind of brush up against this and like it's developed this wonderful following and... Yeah, no, uh, I think it's a great one. Oh, yeah, you talked about um, New Nightmare as well. New My- Nightmare is after the third one, and the first one is probably my favourite of the whole lot. I think that's a again, genius idea. I think I spoke about it at length with Richard on the last episode, to be fair, because it's uh, similar to Scream, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's almost like a kind of dry run for, if not Scream, like, like the Scream sequels, where it's just like, oh, it's a horror film... In a, in a, it's a horror film like in the set of a horror film and like in amongst the making like it, it's I've, I I genuinely forget if you already brought this up but it's kind of like do you ever see um return return to horror high no I've no I've never seen it I know of it but I've never seen it oh that it's really good uh that's something I only actually saw quite recently uh but I think it's still on Amazon but um it 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 it's like like you think it's just going to be like a kind of fun kind of oh it's a horror film that takes place on the set of a horror film and it actually does a really good job of playing with not knowing what's the film not not knowing what's the film within the film and uh yeah like but it's definitely like feels yeah a part of that really like um my like no new nightmare is fantastic yeah yeah i like i just just a genius idea of way of sort of rebooting that franchise about it being a sort of dreary remake which they did a few years later you know it's just yeah genius really I always think Wes Craven is one of those directors that he's done a lot of crap but even his crap films have got something about them there's something interesting in there I think he's just a he was a really good interesting writer and director you know, he always took risks with his films. Absolutely, but they didn't always succeed. Yeah, yeah, o- o- always uh, big, big swings. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that, uh, yeah, like that. You've got to appreciate. I um, what was? Oh god, what was the last film that he did? Uh, it, it, it was a sort of return to horror. But uh, well, he did. Um, was it called My Soul to Take? Was it sort of like My Soul to Take? Yeah, yeah that's a weird film. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, not great, but again, like, yeah. No, I've not, I've not seen it, but I've heard it's again. It's like a slap teen sort of slasher movie in the same vein as uh, Nightmare, isn't it? Right, and uh... yeah, yeah, like, uh, but just um, obviously d- didn't quite. Yeah, it's it, it's it's been quite a few years since I've seen it, but like, yeah, it, it's it's does not. It feels just a little off, and like, but again, like, it's because he's trying weird shit that, like, just it doesn't exactly work. But you kind of appreciate yeah, something trying, definitely, <laughs> yeah. And again, especially with that genre as well, where it's so easy just to play it safe and just do teens getting picked off by a guy in a mask again and again and again, which I love. I love those sort of films, but there's always you got to have something a little twist in there that makes it interesting. I think that's what Wes Craven did best. I think. Aye, aye, absolutely. Like as you say, like you know, I, I think you said it like the last episode. He kind of like 
like reinvented reinvented the format like three times and uh, yeah know. definitely yeah last house on the left sort of changed horror and again i i love last house on the left but it's not a film i would go back and watch very often because it's pretty pretty horrible i'm assuming you have you seen yeah I... yeah yeah it's oh not... yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> not an easy watch is it um no, no, and it's it's like totally, it's a bit weird because yeah, you get some really horrible, grisly stuff, but then you got like the cop characters <laughs> yeah. that are like almost like a like sort of bumbling yeah. comedy kind. And it of has thing. that sort of boop, boop, boop <laughs> music on it when they're on screen, and like, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and the music in it's weird as well. There'd be like these horrible sort of like horrible images with this sort of like plinking plonky, lovely folk music playing and along. It's yeah, weird, weird film, but like. <laughs> Yeah, important for horror, and then um, then Nightmare on Elm Street, and then Scream. It's sort of no, you'd be lucky to do that once. I think make a film that hits the sort of right mark, hits the zeitgeist so well. And Wes Craven did it three times, so you got to have respect for Wes Craven. I think. Oh, I. You a fan of any of his other films, or any particular other Wes Craven films that you're into? Um, I I'd say it's probably yeah, like um, like yeah, it it it's mainly the. Like Nightmare on Elm Street, and then like the the Scream films. I think you know, like the 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 four Scream films are are just fantastic. But you've you've discussed yeah, yeah. them at, like at great length already. Um, I uh, yeah, you look at the rest of his career, and it's just okay. Like those are like the heavy hitters. But like yeah, you got like I. I've got weird kind of affection for uh, the werewolf. Oh, cursed is it? Cursed, yeah, with Christina Ricci. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's the one where a, yeah. where a werewolf flips the bird in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I saw that when it came out and can't remember I, I, it. I can't really remember it. Absolutely, it, it kind of came with a bit of hype because it was just like, "Where's Craven?" and um, and uh, oh, and uh, kind of similar thing with like like. Again, the the film itself didn't wind up being like a real splash. But do you remember like the trailer for Red Eye? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With uh, so, it, that's a fantastic trailer. Like because it's like like it all starts off dead rom com, and then like you know like Rachel McAdams you know sitting down on the plane with Cillian Murphy, and then he just turns and like gives her that look, and then it comes up on screen from Wes Craven, <laughs> and you're like, oh shit! <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah awesome. I've never actually seen it. Though. I've never seen it. Red Eye, but I've heard it's a good little sort of tight get, thriller you know tight little sort of solid thriller it is good it is good yeah like um it's but yeah like, it's it, i i think just in terms of like the craft of a trailer like nothing could like you know like me like how just well put together that little that little short is you know i think there's a there's a, like a, an art to putting together a really good trailer and i think horror films in particular because with a big budget blockbuster they can just put you know a picture of brad pitt on and go starring brad pitt whereas like Mm -hmm. a low budget sort of slasher horror movie they've got to try to do something interesting with the marketing you know that's why i think like horror film posters and horror film trailers are usually the best aye aye (laughs) absolutely oh man i um anyway it's like why like you know like people you know think of like I, I like you know like the that classic trailer for like The Shining where it's just like it's just a lift bleeding or 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 like you ever see um you ever see like the original trailer for Psycho where it's just like yeah it's fog, you know like taking you around the set like and just like oh something terrible is yeah. happening in here Psy- Psycho is <laughs> a film I'm fascinated with anyway I love the idea of like. You know, Hitchcock at the time was massive, 
And he just went, oh, I'm just going to make a low budget, mm-hmm. really sort of quite nasty, especially for the time horror film. And he did it super low budget with the, like, right. it was the people that made the, was it Hitchcock Presents or the Hitchcock Half Hour? Like, it was the people that did the TV show. So it was all, like, done properly on the cheap and became his most successful, if not, like, best film, I think, really, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love yes, fascinated yeah. with Psycho and the Psycho remake, which is which is on Netflix, but the original isn't. Where it's a shot for shot remake. Yeah, that's great. what a strange thing to do. <laughs> that's something up. Yeah, I've always been like uh, it's been, like it's been ages, and I, I've been meaning to like kind of go back and just watch that like as a curiosity, like because um, um, Psycho's another one where it's just like every sequel is kind of strange and valuable in its own way. Yeah, right? <laughs> Psy- Psycho Two is amazing. I love Psycho Two. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I um oh I sorry I realize this is kind of all over the place but if, yeah if we're talking about like you know like randomly like great sequels that like aren't really yeah like Exorcist three as well one of my absolute favorites like um I, I got my uh, that was my in, during the beginning of lockdown I thought I'm gonna buy something to treat I'm gonna treat myself to something nice and I bought the Exorcist three Blu-ray I love it it's one of my favorite films ever made Exorcist yes. three it's phenomenal yeah, yeah. man the <laughs> the best jump scare in any film ever, I think, Exorcist 3. Oh, with the, with, with the scissors, like the big scissors. Yeah, with the, yeah. It's, that, it's that one big, long, locked-off shot of the corridor with the nurse walking around, and then there's a little jump scare that you think, oh, okay, that's it then. Then it goes back, yeah. and it, the shot goes on for like minutes and minutes, about ten minutes long, I'm sure, and then just suddenly, bang, yeah. oh, it's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's it's almost excruciating because that by that point you know a jump scare is coming and you're just like you're just you're just like come on just do it just jump scares get like a, a bad rap. A lot of people who are into horror say oh it's just a film for the jump scares, but I think a jump scare done properly can yeah. be just amazing. That's a good example and Psycho as well. The bit where um right. like the guy is in the house and and Norm Bates just charges out of the door. It just sudden oh it's just yeah. It makes me jump. I've seen Psycho a million times, yeah, but that yeah. will always make me jump that bit. <laughs> yeah, I uh, what one of my favorite jump scares uh, I remember like seeing in the cinema is. Uh, are, are you a David Lynch fan? I am. Yeah. All right. Have you seen Inland Empire? Yes, yeah. I know exactly the bit you're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> the, the face, yeah. <laughs> like th- that's fantastic because mm. like you you look at that like removed from the film and it's kind of silly and almost like you know laughable but the film has the, the film has spent like two hours getting you into this like mindset and this frenzy that like when that face happened I remember like the audience lost their <laughs> yeah, yeah. fucking minds <laughs> like yeah, it was I, the most I wish I could have seen that I, I could have wish I could, I seen that in the cinema I would have loved to have witnessed that I, I remember I saw um, Paranormal Activity in a packed cinema when it came out but I'd already seen like a pirated version of it uh-huh. And um, so I'm doing a lot of uh-huh. saying that I've watched pirated versions, honestly. <laughs> <by films. laughs> I paid for a cinema ticket afterwards, is that right? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> but because I'd already seen it, I went with a big group of mates and the cinema was packed. So when I yeah. knew the scary bits were coming, I, was yeah. sort of, I wasn't watching the screen, I was just watching like the audience. And it was yeah. amazing. It was brilliant. People genuinely like, throwing popcorn in the air. You know, it was mad. Yeah, like, Paranormal Activity wound up getting a bit of a poor reputation after the line, but no, like, you go back to that first one, it's a wonderful piece of, like, small-scale film. Like, the way that film, like, every time it returns to that shot of the bedroom, 
you you are just like oh fuck okay here we yeah. go here we and it's wonderful that you can do that it's just a shot of a bed but it's the fact that oh god all right yeah it's like you said about exit <laughs> three you know something's happening you know something's coming so you're instantly you're just on the back foot you're just sort of waiting literally on the edge of your seat waiting for it aren't you yeah yeah, yeah I, I really enjoy paranormal yeah. activity i've not really seen many of the sequels i think i've seen I don't know, there's quite a few of them now isn't there yeah, yeah, so they they made uh, one, two, three, and four, and then uh, they made like a sort of spin-off, uh, the marked ones, and then they made like the the sixth one was kind of it was in three D, and it's like I don't know how you make a three D found footage film, but like that's a series that I always really wish like it, they missed the opportunity to go like the meta route because like. I remember, like, with the first one, the whole idea was, oh, this is footage that we found from a couple years ago, and then the second one is, like, oh, this is footage that was actually from right before the footage from the first film, and then the third one is, like, footage from the 80s. By the time the fourth one came out, the fourth one was back to, like, sort of present day, and and it involves the woman from the previous three Paranormal Activity films, and it's, like, she's now moved across the street from this kid who's now got the cameras and everything but like they ignore the fact that like if we're taking if we're taking this as like a sort of a genuine piece of found footage and like in this world paranormal activity is a documentary <laughs> paranormal activity has come out by this point and at no point at no point does the kid say that's the woman <laughs> from paranormal activity that documentary and like what they should have done like with one of these films is like the demon or whatever is now haunting the people at Paramount. Like, <laughs> yeah. Released this footage. Oh. You know, they've taken footage that was not meant to be released and now, like, you know, like a world where the paranormal activity films, documentaries have been released. It's, yeah. That is what Wes Craven would have done if he made Paranormal Activity like five or whatever. That's what Wes Craven would have done with it, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds amazing. That's a bit like. Um... Uh, what they try to do with Blair Witch Project 2, isn't it? Where, um... Oh my god, yes! <laughs> so, like, in actual fact, maybe it wouldn't have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, Blair Witch Project 2, again, it's like like I was saying about Wes Craven, where it has has a brilliant, really interesting idea, and there's some really amazing stuff in that film, but it falls flat, really, I think. Yeah. I'd imagine it's one of those situations where, like, the studio, because Blair Witch Project was such a huge film... They probably got heavily involved mm-hmm. with the making of that, I'd imagine. They probably didn't let the director do all the directors. I think it was uh, the people that... Look, they made documentaries before, didn't they? I can't remember their names. They did um, Brothers Keeper and um, yeah. the Paradise Lost documentaries. Yeah. Um, can't remember their names now. But yeah, they they were like... They, they didn't... I don't think they really yeah. let them just do what they wanted with it. It could have been an amazing film, I think, Blair Witch 2, done in that style yeah. with that idea. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I... Yeah, that's the thing. Like, yeah, like it was such an odd choice to like, you know, be like, oh, okay, no, we're going to make a sort of narrative film that, like, yeah, like it's, I, 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 I think a part of it was you know, just like it was such a huge hit that they could guarantee people are going to see this anyway. Yeah. Like, we have, we have butts on seats. You know, like, why not try something weird? Um, did you wind up seeing uh, the 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 Adam Wingard one? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, not a huge fan of it, but again, interesting idea. But uh-huh. again, I'm, I'm a big fan of those the two that made it though. Um, I can't remember their both their names. Adam Wingard and uh, 
the writer. I can't remember. Yeah. I love the guest and um, you're next. Yeah. Those films are amazing. Um, yeah, th- those two are fin- like those two films are are, are fantastic and um, like I like since then like the the other stuff has kind of trailed off a bit like but those two are like brilliant. I I remember being really really hyped for like the new Blair Witch and uh, and then like it wound up being oh it's it's just the Blair Witch project yeah yeah like, yeah you know like With all the subtle yeah. gum but and it. it, it yeah, I mean, it was a really good piece of marketing where it was like, yeah, they had like given it this different title and like trailers, and it was only like when folk, you know, at Comic Con sat down and it was just like, this is Blair Witch, <laughs> and it's, uh, but like then once you got that, like that's all gone, and then it's, yeah, like because uh, I remember like yeah, there had been like really, really, really good reviews from like conventions, um, and that got me hyped. And so I, I think I went to like a midnight screening or something, and like, so when I went into the cinema, there weren't any actual reviews. It was just convention reviews that were all glowing, like this is incredible. And then by the time I got out of the cinema, and you load up Rotten Tomatoes, it's like twenty <laughs> yeah, percent yeah, yeah. or something. Like, oh, real, real reviews came out, and nobody like, yeah, yeah. So if you put someone, especially with that situation where it's like it's suddenly revealed it's a Blair Witch film, everyone's hyped anyway. Uh, there's such heightened, heightened yeah. thing, and then. You can you can show them anything, and they'll be like, "That was the best film I've ever seen." And then, sort of like, like <laughs> yeah. what I say um, with like Phantom Menace. When I saw Phantom Menace as a teenager, I was so hyped for that film. I sort of convinced myself I loved it until like a week afterwards. I was like, oh, "No, that was bad. That wasn't good." <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a weird phenomenon that you sometimes get with films where you are so hyped that the hype lasts a little longer. You're like, yeah, of course I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like it. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, talking about yeah. reviews, I think I have to. <laughs> I like to read one star reviews of the film we're talking about. So, uh, IMDb reviews yes. these are, so that says a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've got some reviews, one star reviews of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I'll do a short one. A short one first. So, this is one star review, and it just says, Seriously. Yes, back in the early 80s when I was young, this was scary. But fast forward to 2019 and being over 40, this is garbage. That's surprising. I, I was fully like, oh, okay, this is some punk kid yeah. that's just like, oh, yeah, this is... No, he's what? over 40, yeah. okay. <laughs> well, this one, this one, I'm pretty sure is a punk kid. Oh, yeah, he says his age in this one, so okay. So this is <laughs> who took over the casting after Johnny Depp was cast. So, yeah, we didn't even mention it was Johnny Depp's first film, have we? we, we, we yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, besides Johnny Depp, and even he wasn't so great with his lack of lack of time. Don't know what that means. This was the worst horror movie imaginable. Freddy Krueger was a <laughs> <laughs> Freddy Krueger was a frigging clown and a putz. Wait until <laughs> wait until he sees Freddy's dead. Jesus. <laughs> I love that like, this guy is talking like he's a New York yeah, taxi exactly. driver, yeah, yeah. just like, hey, this Freddy Krueger, yeah, he's a clown, he's a, he's a butts. I, I tell you, I meet this Freddy Krueger, I punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> the, the main character was the worst actress since the backup extra from my seventh grade school play. Pretty hard, pretty harsh. The whole movie, the whole movie was a joke. Especially the visible mattress when Freddy fell over the stair rail. 
<laughs> okay, can't say I caught that. Like, no, I'm, I'm going back now. <laughs> I didn't even try to hide it. <laughs> the entire plot was absurd. I I never felt the slightest tint of fear, and I mostly wanted to barf at the close-up on the girl's face. Oh, that's pretty hard. <laughs> oh god. The the only part of this movie I enjoyed, oh no, was the bathtub scene, and only because I'm an 18 year old kid without a girlfriend. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> oh dear. I piss on this movie. Where Wes Craven and especially the casting director for try for t- tying Johnny Depp's great name to such a horrible film. <laughs> You're right. This is the worst association to Johnny Depp. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Johnny Depp's first film is quite an interesting thing about Nightmare on Elm Street, I think, isn't it? It has the introducing, his credit is introducing Johnny Depp at the beginning, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, I always like, they kind of, it's almost like they knew, they were like, all right, yeah, no, he's, let's let's pop introducing on there because he's yeah. going to be big. His death scene's amazing as well in that film. It is, yeah, yeah. Like, um, and I, I was reading, like, uh, so apparently, like, they initially approached Charlie Sheen for his role, and uh, but like Charlie Sheen was charging too much money, and wow, yeah, so they went with uh, Johnny Depp, this unknown. <laughs> like, so I take so he did this, and then afterwards went on to do Jump Street. Yeah, it wouldn't have been that long after, would it? Jump Street. Yeah, I actually never watched like any of the original Twenty One Jump. Nah, never mind. But I really like enjoy the film, yeah, the yeah. Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Is that the right way around? I always get the yeah. I oh, love yeah. that those films I made. Yeah, yeah. they're brilliant. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, they're terrific. Um, bye. But yeah, like I, I, yeah, you can already like tell, like, uh, you know, he's just like, oh yeah, he's like playing the side character, but you know, he's just like got that kind of movie star kind of like, you know. Like, well, it's like the um, there's like the the sort of bad boyfriend, you know, the guy who gets accused of killing the character at the start, and um, he's obviously the one that they thought was going to be the sort of like cool bad guy, like you know, biker type dude who would be, like, the one the girls will like, but it's clearly Johnny Depp, who's playing more of, like, a preppy sort of football guy in it, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. And I would have felt wrong to have, like, Charlie Sheen in that kind of role. I can't imagine like, it. The, I can't imagine the, it. The nice, <laughs> sensitive boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, here's a, another weird review for Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> and the little headline bit is, yes, absolutely, I could do better. <laughs> um, I have seen the golden hours light bathe shoppers in a grocery store. What what a wealth and given so freely, seemingly without consciousness. That's how it starts. Wow. Oh yes. <laughs> and so this is a review and not just free form poetry. Yeah, a, a review of a nightmare on Elm Street as well, to put it into <laughs> And then he starts talking about the movie. This movie is a piece of shit. Just like all <laughs> just like all the other ones. If you can love, if you can love these movies, by all means, do so. <laughs> We've got permission. Um, just don't, just don't do it around me, if you please. <laughs> no, for me, I like my horror movies to be great. You know, like worth seeing. The fans of the, <laughs> the fans of this movie and its ilk. Are lucky, lucky people. <laughs> this movie and its <laughs> franchised horror movie kin 
are able to give them something that I can never have. What? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Whatever it is in this movie, what it is this movie gives me, it cannot match the time I lose seeing it. It is an unequal exchange, and I want back whatever it is I have lost. <laughs> God, wow. this hit him hard. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Quite a beautifully written poetic review. What... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, mate. I don't know who hurt you. But... <laughs> I just like the idea of, of being a fan of a film, but not around me. Please don't like it around me. oh yeah like it's yeah like uh, i i kind of want to hear that guy review everything (laughs) (laughs) definitely i i i I want to see him like you know like spin a yarn out of how much he you know disliked paul blart mall cop (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure it'd be beautiful it'd be much better than the film i'd imagine i've never seen paul blart mall cop i shouldn't make assumptions but <laughs> I um yeah like um go going back like uh like so yeah rewatched rewatched the first one like um like earlier this week and um I think yeah just because like spent so much time like yeah watching the sequels and stuff like you, you going back to the like it is like a very like down to basics kind of like quite a low budget thing and and yeah like. It's weird, like, seeing, like, Freddy is, like, Freddy's not really <laughs> cracking jokes the way he does, like, in, like, the sequels, like, going forward. It's, it's, and, like, he's kept in the shadows for the most part, like, and, and I don't know how much of that is just, like, oh, the prosthetics maybe aren't great, like, so they can't show, but it, it's actually really effective. He's, he's, yeah, he looks grislier in this than he does yeah. like, in any of the other ones. The first time we see him, though, they're going for like the big long arms, which yeah. is a choice. You know? Yeah, I was gonna. I was just about to say, like, he's he's always known as being very like scary in the first one, but again, like they said, the first time we see him, he's got like Mister Tickle arms, doesn't he? Like, <laughs> <running>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But after that, he, gets, he sort of chops off his own fingers, doesn't he? And stuff. It's pretty gruesome. Yeah, it's 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 like real. Yeah, kind of unnerving. Like you know, because like at least yeah. In the other ones, you you get what he's doing. He's just like, all right, this time we're doing beach death. Yeah. All right, I'm wearing shades and like you know we're doing. But like in this, yeah, it's 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 all very like strange shit he's doing, like cutting off his fingers and like yeah, like tearing his face off. Like it's it's yeah, it, it's really going for that like unusual dream logic kind of a thing. Yeah, it's definitely like where we were saying like. The later ones, they sort of use the dream stuff just to do wacky, zany sort of things. You know, like you said, the sort of beach one. I always think of the comic book one, Super Freddy. Yeah, where it looks like it looks like the Aha video. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the um, and probably the worst kit death in a Nightmare on Elm Street film is the one where um, the guy does like kung fu, but Freddy's invisible. Do you remember this? Yeah. So it's just yeah, him in a yeah, room, that... just like. Wiping himself around. <laughs> yeah, and like I think by the time you get to like Freddy's dead, and is it like uh, he does like the video game? Yeah, oh god, yeah, yeah, know, like, yeah. 
it, it, it it's why I, I would have happily seen them just continue to make sequels for years on end. Like, like I want to see like Freddy get like like sweatier and like you know like like just like like getting a little hackier with his desk. Just like all right, uh, y- you like Facebook? Uh, how do you like to be Facebook to death? You know, like, like. <laughs> yeah. And then the first one though it has like again you were saying it's more like like nightmarish imagery isn't it really like it's actually like a proper uh, a proper nightmare some of it I always think of the bit where she's running up the stairs yeah. and her feet sink into the stairs oh. that's like a common thing to have in a dream is it when you're running away but you just can't move and oh. and the there's that horrible the bit that always sticks with me is the um, when her she falls asleep in class and there's the girl in the body bag. Mm-hmm. Like her friend who's dead in the body bag, sort of just being dragged along, just sort of yeah. You don't see Freddy dragging her along. That's a hot, that. Oh, I remember seeing that as a kid, and it's just like freaking me out. That's always a a part that stuck with me. That bit. Yeah, yeah. I, like uh, like genuinely kind of unsettling, and and they do like I I I under I really do understand like why they toned this down going forward, like as they're trying to. Have, make make it a bit more fun but like in that first one like freddy is really lecherous mm. and kind of sleazy and like that adds its own level of discomfort like yeah, yeah like like that like all right like i it like <laughs> obviously like once you're like trying to have fun with that and he's becoming more of a sort of Bugs Bunny kind of character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just like, let's steer away from that. Let's avoid that. But like, yeah, like because they they never flat out get explicit with it. You know, they always say like in the first one, oh, he was a child murderer, and like you're meant to like yeah. sort of read between the lines. But um, well, I yeah, think in the original it's... script he was supposed to be like a you know a pedophile, um, and then there was a big case yeah. that happened in America like around the time when they were making it. So they decided to sort of be a bit, I mean, a bit more sensitive and just sort of cut that aspect out of it. Yeah. But then the remake, have you ever seen the Nightmare on Elm Street remake? I have, yeah, yeah. But they sort of bring that to the fore, don't they? That sort of, that stuff of it makes it a bit icky. They do. Yeah, and like they kind of can't quite figure out what to do where it's just like, maybe he did it, maybe he didn't. Um, I'm not a fan of the remake, but... Like, I would say maybe, like, the one thing it does well is, like, it's interesting is seeing that sort of origin sequence. Like, um, like, like, if we want to talk about, like, you know, like, good trailers, and I do remember, like, you know, like, with that trailer for the remake, and, like, it's, like, you start on, you see, like, just Jack Earl Haley being, like, chased by this mob, and, like, you know, like, looking scared, and then, like, being burned... And then, like, he's ripping his jacket open, and, like, you see the jumper with, the like, the red and green stripes, and you realize what you're watching, and you're like, oh, okay, but, like, and, like, but, like, the film itself is just, as you say, it's really drab, and, yeah, like, it's, it was part of that, like, sort of noughties yeah. kind of period of, like, the the Platinum Dunes, like, remakes, like, by Michael Bay, and, um... Yeah, like it, it where, and it, it, I, I think you like with those films. I, I, I've got nothing against like remakes or reboots, but like those ones, you, you felt like there was no affection for the original films. It's all very cynical, kind of. All right, let's find ways to get kids to you know, like, like watch this again. Like it, it's, 
I mean, like, I think, like, the guy that made, like, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake um, never did another film. He was always doing, like, adverts and music videos. And, I think um, he directed yeah. the Smells Like Teen Spirit video, didn't he? I think, I think he's... He yeah. did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, um... God, his name's escaping me. Like, uh, but I remember, like... I, yeah, he did, like, a bunch of the Green Day videos as well, like, and, and stuff. Yeah, like, um... But, yeah, like, it, it's... I know he was only really a producer, but it always felt strange having like Michael Bay as like <laughs> yeah. you know the kind of head of that kind of wave of horror films. When you yeah, because like, they did what ones did I, they, they did Texas Chainsaw Massacre around the, that sort of time, didn't they? And Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, like and and God, what else did they do? And uh, was it them that did the God? Was it them that did the Hills Have Eyes remake? Oh, or? maybe. Which actually, it's one of the few yeah. remakes I quite like. Is the Hills Have Eyes one? Yeah. yeah, that one's that one's pretty good. Yeah, I remember like just with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like I remember, I I saw the remake before I saw the original. Okay, and and yeah, so you don't. Like, I remember for the longest time just not really understanding what was kind of special about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like, you know, just like, oh, this is kind of shit. But then once you see the original and you begin to understand, like, the context of, like... Because, like, it, a huge part of Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the style of the film. And, like, if you take that away from it and, like, you know, just give it this big glossy kind of you know like yeah. filter that like you know that all these films have you know you lose it um but yeah no like i mean the nightmare on elm street remake is like a kind of interesting one because you understand the impulse to get back to basics and like get rid of the comedy that had sort of become part of freddy krueger but then it just kind of created a bit of a boring film. Yeah, I think well, as we were saying, as we've been saying, like the the appeal of Nightmare on Elm Street is the idea of it happening in a dream and that you can do anything with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it'd be that like the first one where it's a bit more nightmarish or silly, like the sequels. But I can't even remember the deaths and kill scenes and stuff, or the characters in the remake. Yeah, a, a lot of them were just recreations of stuff from the original like they do the bath again mm. and they do the face coming out of the wall again and um and you're like it, it, you're just kind of like who's this for cuz like like anybody any fans of the original are just going to want to watch the original and like surely you know take this opportunity to find new creative they do kind of do an interesting thing with like the idea of like these micro naps and like kind of the idea like so people sleep slipping in and out of consciousness so you never know what's real but again that's never fully explored but here's the thing like do you think do you think you can successfully bring back Nightmare on Elm Street I think they probably could but I think they'd have to do it in a similar way to what they did with the last Halloween film, maybe, where it's sort of part remake, but part sort of semi-sequel, and sort of done with this affection for for the originals. I think you'd have to have Robert England in it. Yeah. I think that would be a big part of it. Right. Um, and I think just to have it, like, so it's... I think a lot of the sort of appeal of these sort of films now is that uh-huh. almost like they're like seen as classics and a bit retro yeah. so having you they could do it like set in like 1984 as well or something or you know something where they've got this element where it's like a bit old school a bit retro looking yeah i don't know but that would but i, th- I think they could probably do something interesting with nightmare on elm street i just yeah. don't know how exactly how they could what about yeah. you yeah like 
I'm I'm not too sure, like I, because like again, like even though it is like a sort of part like that's not huge in the original, like like that sense like sense of like you know sense of humor and like comedy, like you know like like it has become like a sort of big part of like Freddy Krueger's personality. But I don't know if you can do that now, where it's like he is like. A, a, a child murdering creep who's also winking at the camera and like you know joking and it's like that like and and compared to like the other like horror villains the slashers his role in like the, that kind of canon is he is the bad taste comedian and I I don't know if you can do that now like without it feeling horribly uncomfortable like. I don't get me wrong. I I would love to see more Freddy Krueger, but I just I, I I I don't know if especially because like you know guys like Michael Myers and Jason, they are kind of blank slates. Like you know they're mute, and so there is something kind of timeless about yeah. them. But Freddy's got real personality that I think if you try to change that, you're moving away from what Freddy Krueger is. But he's of a place and time that, as you say, like, you know, if you were to do it, you would kind of have to go back to the 80s, like. It's an element of it I've never really thought of, is this sort of, like, making, like, would you be able to get away with making a, sort of, you know, a child killer likeable? Because that's what they did in those, like, not necessarily the first one, but the the sequels are, like, he's, like, a charismatic, yeah. sort of, that's the reason people went to see him, for Freddy. They didn't care about the teenagers who were getting killed, they loved Freddy Krueger, they'd go and buy the toys and the t-shirts and the Halloween costumes for Freddy Krueger, you know? Yeah, yeah, and and it's, it's like, it's like, he became, like, you know, like, the sort of, like, winking face of, like, you know, this this franchise, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to do that now, and, like, yeah, I... It's interesting, but, but again, they keep talking about it, like, and something that, like, I just saw recently, like, and, like, sort of banded about was, like, like, Robert England thinks Kevin Bacon should do it, <laughs> which I'm like, okay. <laughs> what, to, to play, to play Kruger? Yeah, to play yeah. Freddy Kruger? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, then you've got, you've got your Friday the 13th, Friday Night Renown Street crossover again there, then, it's Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kevin Bacon, what a strange, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, I know a few years ago, Robert England said that he would, he's got another one in him. If they make another one, he's got another one in him. But, again, he must be getting on a bit now and it must be quite physically demanding to be Freddy, all the makeup and the stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would be interesting if they do another one. I thought when this new Halloween film was so massive, I, Mm -hmm. I predict that there'll be, like, in a couple of years' time, there'll be, like... A new Friday the Thirteenth, a new Nightmare on Elm Street, a new whatever. And they'll do all these sort of slasher movies again, I think. Yeah. 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 Well, a new bl- version of Black Christmas came out at Christmas, didn't it? I've not seen that. No, it's no. The second remake of Black Christmas. Yeah, so. yeah. Like, uh, and they seem to be playing kind of loose with it, uh, like, um, in, like bringing in like mm. a kind of cult element, which I'm fine with. You know, I'm like, uh, if it, yeah, uh, like it just. You know the the original's always there, and if this is just you know, I'm I'm always on board for like a horror film set at Christmas. You know? Yeah. Like, um, but yeah. Um, yeah, Black Christmas is one of my uh, favorite yeah. films of all time. I think I even think Black Christmas is probably a little bit better than Halloween, which I know might be a bit sacrilegious, but <laughs> the original Black Christmas is 
a perfect film, I think. Yeah, I, yeah. Like, it, it, like I remember catching it. Uh, they brought it to the GFT like um, back in the cinema uh, a few years ago. And and it and it was on actual film, like it was a like really scrappy old like print of oh, it, as lovely. Well, yeah, yeah. which really added to it. But like, because Black Christmas was so early in like that, the rules hadn't almost been set. Like you know, like you didn't kind of have that notion of oh, I know what happens in a slasher film, and it almost makes it more unpredictable and scary. Like, you know, just hearing the weird voice coming yeah. off the other end of the phone is like, oh, this is weird. I don't, oh, this is unnerving. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, no, I think, yeah. yeah, that's very creepy, I think, Black Christmas. And like you said, it's an early sort of, it's pre-Halloween. Everyone sort of says Halloween was the first sort of big slasher movie, but I think Black Christmas set the sort of bar and then John Carpenter sort of knocked it out of the park, really, with the uh, Halloween yeah, yeah. Are there any other sort of are you a fan of the sort of more like the sort of like the trashy sort of eighty slasher movies and stuff? The sort of other ones, oh, de- other than the big sort of franchisey ones. Definitely, like uh, I remember, like going back to like yeah, when when I was in like uh like in, in sort of secondary school, like you know maybe like about fifteen or sixteen, like uh like real fond memories of like you know sort of like Friday night, you know walk to global video back when that was still a thing and like you know and do you remember like when they used to do uh wait like before arrow or anything started doing really good editions you had vipco and it <laughs> yeah. was like all all the covers were the same just like black with big block letters and then some skulls at the top yeah. and it was just the titles doing all the work just zombie flesh eaters cannibal fear <laughs> and stuff like that and and, and um yeah, no, so I'm a big fan of, yeah, like, um, yeah, just some, like, uh, Lucio Fulci yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, a big fan know, of Lucio uh, Fulci. Like, yeah, Zombie Flesh Eaters is just a classic. Um, and then, yeah, just, um, yeah, like, like that kind of stuff and, um, and, 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 and like, some of, like, the kind of trauma like, films <laughs> yeah. as well, like, you know, like, are just, like, a lot of fun, um. But definitely, and as I say, now on Amazon Prime, like, you know, you're getting, and, and with, like, Arrow as well, like, you know, it's almost like kind of the reverse where where it's like, oh, you're getting, Vipco was all very, like, sort of, like, trashy, like, low-budget kind of, like, DVDs, and now we're taking these films and giving them really lovely treatments yeah. where now, like, you can, like, see, they, they've been pristine, like, kind of, you know, like, remastered, and which I kind of love. Yeah, you know, I think... I th- and full of like special features, those arrow Blu-rays. You know, I've got I've got quite a lot of them. The um, mm-hmm. like Demons is one of my favourite films. I don't know if you've seen that, but that's a film. Oh, where yeah. It's such this trashy Italian sort of like Evil Dead ripoff, basically. Yeah. But, like the Blu-ray for it's beautiful. It's full of special features, and it's a really nice transfer. It looks really good, and I think a lot, especially yeah. the Italian films. So like the Dario Argento stuff, just looks beautiful. It's supposed to be seen like, on a big screen, really. But the best, you could, if you get a really nice Blu-ray, especially Suspiria, I don't think it's Arrow that put it out, they did a, um, a 4K, like, restoration of Suspiria. Yeah. And it looks amazing. It's beautiful. It's one of the nicest-looking Blu-rays I've got. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. Like, um... 
I like it's it's certainly like with some stuff like the Argento stuff like Suspiria where it's like it's use of color yeah you want to see it in the best way possible I would I would really like if like with some of this stuff if you had the option on the blu-ray like where you could watch a VHS version of it where they, they've hardly yeah. cropped it into four by yeah, three yeah. and it's got yeah, the satellites. Yeah. So like, you know, you get both, both experiences, you know, because yeah. I don't think like, it, like that's something that you don't get anymore. <laughs> like we're just, well, like, there was definitely something, something evocative about watching, like, especially like you said, one of those sort of Vipco films, you know, zombie flesh eaters or cannibal Holocaust or whatever, watching that, Mm-hmm. Like on a sort of degraded VHS, there was something like really evocative, and sort of it felt like felt wrong watching it. You weren't supposed to be watching this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like and and uh, like um, you had some really great stuff back then, but then there was some stuff that was just, oh, this is just like got its reputation because like things like Faces of Death. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like looking back, it's just like why were we watching that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember I had I had like a DVD of Faces of Death when that came out, and I sort of I couldn't even finish it. It's just yeah, you've got to have it's got to be. I always say with a horror film, it's either got to like have a good sense of humor, or it's got to be like saying something. Otherwise, you're just watching people get killed. Do you know what I mean? It's got to have. There's got to be another layer to it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Like, um, I, I would say probably uh, go, going back to like, uh, you know, talking about like Christmas. Um, you know, one of the like sort of B movies that I always wind up watching is uh the first Silent Night Deadly Night. <laughs> I know it's the second one that's got the reputation just for garbage day. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, like the first one, like yeah, just I always always get that on like uh, around about Christmas time. Uh, I'm a big fan of that one. Um. Yeah, mid so I, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I tend to watch that one around Christmas, that and Black Christmas. Well, back to back to Nightmare on Elm Street. Of course, before, yeah. <laughs> before, before, before we wrap up, I'm going to ask where what's your your your, your favourite death scene and your least favourite death scene in all the, in all of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. Oh, um, I I'd say maybe my favourite is probably in number three, Dream Warriors. You've got this really horrible death where like um the guy's veins have been like ripped out and he's being like sort of moved around like a marionette uh, just something about that is like oh like it's really oh, oh i mean like if we're talking about oh, and i already i'm choosing because again three is absolutely my favorite because that one's genuinely unnerving but like if we're going for funny death it's the same one that gives it gives us all right the the lassie who watches too much telly so freddy krueger turns into television and says it's prime time bitch (laughs) (laughs) the bit that always makes me laugh about that is that when they find her body there's a shot of her finding her body and the tv's about like nine foot off the air her head's in the tv she's dangling from it (laughs) and they say it's suicide (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I want you to run and like leap and headbutt the TV. It's quite an elaborate suicide. I like. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the sixth time that's happened this month. <laughs> <laughs> we have to, that's why it's so high up. They keep trying to put it higher and higher. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but let me think. Uh, like least favorite death scene. Um, I'm probably gonna have to hand it to. Um, the the video game death in in uh Freddy's Dead the final nightmare it's been ages since i've seen that one 
Is it Brecken Meyer, your guy from uh, Road Trip? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I think he like is. Yeah, 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 and I remember just like yeah, like by that point, th- even though th- they've been ludicrous and silly, like you know, by that point, you're just like you are making no effort to be scared. There's silly music happening in the background. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I did like. I remember just that was the point where I started getting angry. Like you're not even trying anymore. <laughs> like, I feel insulted watching this. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of almost like a Scooby Doo sort of Benny Hill type thing, isn't it? Going in and out of the yeah. It's yeah. That is definitely yeah. not not a good death scene. Yeah, like you you even though it wasn't the last one, you, you get the sense of that is the franchise. You're like, listen, we're wrapping up soon. <laughs> yeah. We don't we don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, weird. So I think that Freddy's Dead is just a weird film. Like the tone of it is really weird. It's like they obviously wanted to make it a comedy film. I think they wanted to go all out. Yeah, yeah. It's it like there's also I I could be wrong, but like is the end credits not just that sort of greatest hits reel yes. where it's just like oh let's play all the deaths <laughs> like and it's got that it's got the vibe of like a sort of student film where it's just like all right like the the thing said the film needs to be nine minutes we're clocking in at seven <laughs> and a half so let's do some slow <laughs> credits yeah it's like when you watch an episode of The Simpsons yeah. and it's got a really long sofa gag and you think yeah yeah there's sort of this episode was running short I know what you're doing (laughs) (laughs) Uh, do you know like uh, Peter Jackson was meant to be doing uh, yeah that would have been interesting it would have I I think didn't he write a a script for um, Freddy vs Jason as well at one point I think I could be wrong oh I didn't know yeah I know there was like I could be wrong yeah but I know there was lots loads of different scripts for Freddy vs Jason knocking about have you heard um, Camille Nanjani's uh, wonderful bit about Freddy vs Jason (laughs) I haven't no it's it's like it's on one of his uh like yeah I think he's got like an a stand up album from maybe about ten years ago now or something but um it, obviously you know how the bit where in Freddy vs Jason where um God what's her name from uh, from Destiny's Child Oh who, Kelly Rowland is it Kelly, Kelly Rowland yeah like so F- Freddy's Freddy's about to attack one girl and then Kelly Rowland like goes to like distract him like you know hey over here kind of thing and um and he's like torn between the two and then maybe one of the lowest points in the series Freddy trying to make a choice and then he says hmm dark meat and Camille and Jenny's talking about how at that point the entire audience just goes oh and Camille's just like that's where the child murderer lost you <laughs> when, he's, <laughs> when he's a racist <laughs> yes yeah. yeah, it was like they always yeah. say about films you can do whatever you want you can do whatever you know anything disgusting killing murdering but never kill a dog if you can't kill a dog that is when yeah that's yes. too far but yeah <laughs> uh, we've got a steadfast rule in our house. Uh, like, um, like I, I, as I say, like uh, my wife is a huge horror fan, and like she can watch any kind of grisly stuff. But she's got a uh, like line for like she she does not like to watch stuff where the dog dies. And luckily, there's there's a website now called DoesTheDogDie.com. And, um, <laughs> what's wonderful is like we've been using it for years, and it started off just as a website that does exactly that. It t- you look up the film and it will tell you, yeah, the dog dies in this one, and no, the dog lives. Um, but now it's become this real kind of um, d- 
database for triggers, which is genuinely mm. useful yeah, yeah. for people. Like, so it like lets you know, right? Uh, does like does a person die? Does this have like you know like particular drug use or or abuse or and like it's just oh wow, one what a wonderful thing that has grown out of this very silly idea, you know? Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, but yeah, we. we yeah, we've been using it for years just because, like, as soon as, like, we'll be watching a film and as soon as a dog shows up, you know, I'll just be like, right, I'm checking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about, I mean, my, my favourite film is The Thing, which obviously starts with a dog. <laughs> and quite a, quite a horrendous yeah. uh, sort of dog deaths in that. <laughs> uh, but technically that dog's an alien. Where does she stand on The Thing, is it? Yeah, she she's actually fine with the thing. Uh, like I think because like it, it's one, it's technically not a dog, and two, the dog kind of gets the upper hand. Yeah, uh, but, yeah. I um, are, have you seen the the YouTube video, uh, the thing, the musical? No, I don't think I have. Right, because uh, uh, it's it's this YouTube channel from uh, like you know over 10 years back and it's a channel that you did it was mainly doing like taking Arnold Schwarzenegger films and making yeah I've seen the Predator one yeah I've seen yeah so yeah yeah right so it's the same channel but then they did John Carpenter's The Thing the musical where it's like they make like a sort of Frank Sinatra song (laughs) uh, that tells the and it's a great tune but um like so one of our first dates was like we, we watched The Thing and uh, it's a film we both love. And then afterwards, I was like, "Oh, have you seen this thing?" And she was like, uh, "And like showed it to her, and like she loved it." But uh, yeah, uh, two years ago we got married, and uh, you know we had to pick a song for the first dance. And she was like, "What if we just do that? Because nobody's going to be listening to the lyrics, and it's just going to sound like a Frank Sinatra song." And so we, our first dance was John Carpenter's "The Thing," the musical. <laughs> that is amazing. That is yeah. <laughs> That is good. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> well, I think I think that might be our time, Chris. Thank you very much for like having a chat. Really enjoyed that. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I uh, I know it wasn't very focused. And it was uh, none of none of these are. None of them are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but thank you so much for having. No, me. No, thank you. We'll have to we'll have to do another one at some point. I'll get you back. We'll talk about another film. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you very much.